Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Join me, Chanel Denton, on the search for truth and guidance through conversations and content around the cosmic moments that can bring about exponential growth. You are invited to discover tools and techniques to manage challenges, master transitions, manifest abundance, and live your best life. The time for cosmic moments is now. Welcome. Today I'm with Alexandra Zachary. She is qualified in music, naturopathy, osteopathy, transpersonal psychology, the Groff Method, and is now an ayahuasquero in Peru. Um, she's from Australia, and she's spent the last three and a half years with a mestizo and has trained under two Shipibo women and is now holding ceremonies in the heart of Peru. You've been here for almost two years, and I have been lucky enough to actually sit with you. So thank you so much for, for that opportunity, but also for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us and the wider world on this podcast. Oh, thank you. Well, it's absolutely a pleasure to be able to serve such amazing people from all over the world. Um, I've actually been in Peru on and off for five years and uh, decided to, to move here to really embrace the path mm. um, two years ago. And since then, it just, it just keeps expanding and expanding. It's quite wonderful. I'm really curious to know how you actually came about this path. I mean, it's quite different to living in Australia uh, and psychology out there. It's, it's Well, I mean, in Australia, you know, there's a, there's a lot of ancient wisdom there too, but mm. so much has been lost. Mm. Um, I mean, do you, do you want me to start with my interest in shamanism when I read Carlos Castaneda's books, age 14, or, or a more recent, wow. <laughs> recent... Okay, so it goes back yeah. to then. Was there particular traumas in your life that maybe led you to come to the heart of Peru? Or was it just that curiosity? Um, I've always felt share? a really strong connection to Peru. Mm. Always. Um, I had recurrent dreams as a six-year-old. Mm. And um, one day my mother's sitting at the table with a, a book of South American mythology and I pointed to Machu Picchu and I said, that was the place where I was in my dreams, Mum. And she went, ah, oh. and she was a firm believer of past lives and, and she said, oh, you, you better go there one day. And so even as a really small child, I thought I'd end up here some sometime, somehow. Okay. <laughs> um, but I, this this particular part of my life has started with... Um, my first journeys overseas uh, in 2012 and I went to Galapagos and Ecuador and in Ecuador I met a curandero in the cloud forest and he said oh yes you better go do some training and your teacher will be in the mountains go to Peru mm. and so I went back to Australia and I kind of had that in the back of my mind and two years later I turned up here and 
on the third day of being in the Sacred Valley, my teacher walks in and he says, oh yeah, I've been watching you in the spirit world and and um, let's start the work. And I changed my flights and I was here for two and a half months instead of two and a half weeks and I began my training then. Wow. And for our listeners, uh, could you just explain what a curandero is? Uh, so so the, the traditional healers in South America have lots of different names. Um, some people like to call themselves medicos or medicas, um, male or female, or curandero, curandera, mm-hmm. so um, someone who cures. Mm-hmm. Um, if you work with a particular plant as your main main focus I, I work with ayahuasca as my main uh, plant spirit and so I'm an ayahuasquera mm-hmm. um, if you work with San Pedro then you're a huachumera mm. or I, I share my house with um, a tabaquera whose primary medicine is mopacho the sacred tobacco of South America and North America and on that lineage of you know sharing the ayahuasca so you're an ayahuasquera now does that take away from the peruvian culture i mean you're a white woman you're australian is that in any way sacrilegious or or um i often get um asked about my perception of of cultural appropriation and it is something i'm aware of of course Mm. but as an australian where unless you're an Aboriginal person, mm. everything is culturally appropriated. You know, mm. I, I'm a mongrel from from half a dozen different cultures, and ended up with my family in Australia. And and I, I think sharing culture. I, I have a firm belief in in the global village that that technology and transport has now made a reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the sharing of wisdom, the sharing of knowledge is more important to the indigenous people that I've spent time with and trained with. Mm. And not one of my teachers has ever questioned whether I'm native or not, whether, I, you know, they don't care where I'm from. They, mm-hmm. don't, they don't care if I'm male or female. They don't care, you know, all they care about is my commitment to the work and, and my connection with the plants. And, and you know, my my dedication and how many of the peruvian locals actually come to sit in ceremony with you is that something that happens often is that something that's really going back into the local community it's quite interesting i mean there there is such cultural trauma here Mm. from you know the spanish invasion and then the christian missionary work that happened here um there's there's so much removal, particularly for people living in urban environments, so much removal from the traditional lifestyles, mm. um, whether it's the Andean uh, sacred traditions or the Amazonian sacred traditions. Um, but interestingly, since kind of the, the 60s, 70s, when Westerners have come in, anthropologists and ethnobotanists mm. and then just kind of interesting investigative people like Terence McKenna and his brother Dennis and, um, um, you know, the works of William S. Burroughs with the Yeage letters. And um, the Westerners have actually brought the traditions back to the Peruvian people in a big Mm. way. Mm. And I do get, um, you know, several Peruvians uh, a month 
coming to sit with me because they're looking for something that's outside of of the urban westernized medical mm. um, situation and they're looking to come back to their their um, traditional medicines mm-hmm. um, so yeah I do I do get some Peruvians and it's a, a real privilege and I feel so honored you know that they would trust me as a westerner yeah um, it's beautiful but it's it, yeah it's extraordinary like this cult- cross-cultural uh, exchange yeah what I really appreciated about when you held ceremony for us was that your psychology background enabled you to really um, allow that integration of, of what was seen and what was experienced um, so I understand that the ayahuasca medicine is for emotional turmoil and to bring that up or to bring that into balance or to let go what other troubles would ayahuasca be used for as a I, medicine ayahuasca's uh, using ayahuasca is part of an in, uh, indigenous medical system hmm. I, I mean it addresses physical ailments it addresses uh, ailments on many many levels i mean the the shamanic perspective um all all things are manifestations of the spiritual realm mm. um, there's no separation and we sit in the middle of of three worlds and those worlds encompass the animal kingdom the the, the animal mineral vegetable kingdoms um, but also the spiritual realms the angelic realms you know mythical beings um, so for for an indigenous shamanic practitioner, and I embrace that that perspective, um, the, if, if a patient comes to me with uh, prostate cancer, for instance, mm. then I look at not just what's happening on a physical level, but I look at it on an energetic level, and you know I speak to him about psychological issues. I speak to him about emotional issues. Um, I, I look at his whole history, but um, so when when you're addressing that, you can't separate a- any part of ourselves. It's it's the most holistic mm. approach that you can possibly get. And I've read a bit about people with alcoholism coming to to do ayahuasca as as a <laughs> cure. How does that work? And is it really something that is a cure to alcoholism? How does th- it's it's certainly um, in my experience uh, in the last five years, it's really um, shown me that it's very, very helpful for addictions, mm-hmm. particularly because um, my belief is that addiction is symptomatic. Mm-hmm. It's not causative. So if you um, are suffering addiction, it's not even the substance mm. that's causing the addiction. I mean, you know, the the Native American peoples have used tobacco as a sacred plant for years and nobody had a smoking addiction. Mm. But they don't inhale it when they use it, do oh, they? Yeah, oh, yes, they do? Okay. sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, they've been fermented alcoholic beverages in most cultures, but not alcoholism, for instance, until... Um, the, the displacement and genocide in, in indigenous cultures. Mm. And now the, the remnants of those cultures have a huge alcohol problem, not because of the actual substance, but because of the collective trauma. Mm. Um, I'm a real fan of uh, a um, 
Canadian physician called Gabo Mate, and people can check him out on YouTube. He's he's my total hero, and he works very um, predominantly with addictions and and traumas. And he, he I'm with him in my belief that many 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 problems in fact the majority of problems all boil down to particularly early childhood traumas birth traumas uh, and my training in in the groff perspective also is focused on early childhood traumas and um so what one thing that ayahuasca particularly can do for that is it can allow you to go into a memory of that trauma and reprogram yourself around that you can understand it you can express the emotions that might have been suppressed you can um, release those Mm. patterns so when you were with the mestizo and the shipibos was it your psychology background that allowed you to go so much deeper so for someone that's wanting to go and train with these people did the language barrier create a problem or you know I mean how did they explain to you what was happening what was going on well they didn't much yeah actually yeah um I I mean I I've always had the gift of of uh, vision in that I can see energetic forms and I can see people's auras and things and um you know my scientific mind set that aside for a lot of years, but it, it's, you know, I, I'm, I have a particular sight mm-hmm. and it is a gift and, um, you know, sometimes you think you're completely insane and, oh, right, I've gone crazy now, never mind. <laughs> but, but actually it is a real gift. And so my first teacher, um, he would, ju- I mean, I just went to the jungle with him and he just said, no, you just drink every night and you, you sit in ceremony every night for two months. And various clients would come and go. We had um, groups of war veterans from Canada and the States. We had, um, you know, l- a huge variety of, of people looking to, to heal mostly emotionally based issues. Um, and I just observed what was happening in ceremony on the medicine mm. and I could see what what energetic work my teacher was actually doing and then um, you know I, I was developing relationships with the other teacher plants um, and seeing what benefits those plants have energetically as well as on a physical level and um, yeah, I just gradually started singing in ceremony with him and his mother and father, who were also shamans, um, until, you know, that was the learning. It really wasn't, um, you know, I came here with an academic background going, okay, so so where's the textbook <laughs> and let's tick off all the things I have to learn on a list. And, mm. and he's just like, forget book learning. Mm. This is direct experiential learning. And the only way to do it is to do it. Mm. And so I started doing it. How did you know you were ready to do it, to hold space for other people? What was that feeling, that uh, To start my own ceremonies? Yeah. Well, it was, it was with some trepidation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, where's my certificate? Where's my, where's my di- diploma? <laughs> I need a banana leaf saying, yes, you are a qualified shaman now. <laughs> um, 
No, well, both both of my female teachers, um, who are Shipibo trained, and they they um, they both said to me because I was like, oh, people keep asking me, can can you serve medicine to me? And and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Mm. And they both said, look, if people, that's when you know you're ready when people are coming for healing, and the plants bringing them, and you're just the servant of the plant spirit, and go for it. Mm. So so very nervously i served my first ceremony and um found it that i could in fact hold that space Mm. and i could in fact do the work and it was like this amazing revelation and then you know it took a few months of building confidence and now i'm yeah it's yeah, it's clearly what I'm doing and people keep coming to me, so I must be doing something right. Yeah, because you've been holding ceremony for over a year, almost yeah. almost two years now. Um, there's so many fear stories that are out there about, you know, people going and trying ayahuasca and then dying. Um, was that ever a fear that came up, someone sitting in your ceremony and keeling over? Like, you know, why does that happen? Why so are those stories out there? Are they real? There are actually no officially reported deaths directly due to ayahuasca. Mm. Ayahuasca itself is a safe, safe substance. Um, however, it does have many interactions with pharmaceuticals, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, it does alter your blood pressure, so if you have a heart issue undiagnosed, that can be a problem. Um, I screen, you know, I speak with with um, the potential clients and screen for medications, screen for recreational drugs, because, you know, clearly if you've been partying on alcohol and cocaine for a week, it's really not a good idea to go and then think you're okay to just drink ayahuasca. Um, but also I, I screen for um, psychiatric issues. Um, there are a few situations that um, really would require a very, very safe container, long-term mm-hmm. healing work to, to, um, to be of benefit. So, for instance, if someone with um, schizoaffective disorder or, or schizophrenia of one sort or another came and asked to work with me, then I probably wouldn't put them within a group context. They would need to come work um, individually in a, in a space that could be really safe for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably they would need to work for, for three months, maybe. Um, I do believe that it would be of benefit, but mm. I, I think um, for the safety of them and for the safety of other people, it's not um, great to have them in a group setting. And what would that preparation be like? So for someone that had schizophrenia or what about um, heroin addictions or really, you know, those preparation yeah. for that? So if I was to, to work, I haven't worked with anyone who was dealing with a heroin addiction thus far. Mm-hmm. Um if they really were 100% committed to change, um, then of course I would offer assistance, but they would have to have kicked it mm. before they come. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, dealing with withdrawal symptoms, you know, you have to have a, a really strong infrastructure for people to, to experience that stuff. Mm. And I'm not in a 
physical environment I'm not in the situation maybe mm. if I one day have my own sure. center with a sort of a part of the center is for long-term stays then mm. possibly but I still think um, no you'd have to be clean of the substance before you came to work and sorry so I asked two questions in one there mm. so for preparation what would a preparation to participate in medicine look like um so so when I offer um, um, single ceremonies, mm-hmm. then that level of experience is something different than if you really come to work for a month and do multiple ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ca- there's this concept called the dieta, mm-hmm. where um, you have very restricted foods um, and you stay in solitude as much as possible. It's almost like a meditation retreat and Mm -hmm. you work with the plants really deeply and you do ayahuasca ceremonies sort of once a week through three or four weeks um, or just even at the beginning and the end and you do do a shorter shorter, um, diet. There's this concept of the ayahuasca diet Mm. and every single practitioner you talk to has a different idea of what people should be eating and what people shouldn't be eating. Um, it's, I think the, the ayahuasca diet in inverted commas that people will come across on the internet and come across if they, you know, chat mm. with other people. This was kind of an invention as far as I'm aware, um, for Westerners mm. to come because in the West we're so toxic that really people need to detox for a few weeks um, before mm. they come clean enough to really benefit from these Amazonian medicines. Mm. Uh, um, otherwise, the, the ayahuasca itself will just purge all the toxins out and, and it's just working on that level rather than um, going deeper into more psychological or spiritual Work. realms. Yeah. Right. So it's really just getting rid of those processed toxins and salts and that kind of thing. It's yeah. Not yeah, and even, you know, the cleanest yoga head vegan coming from California, mm. I mean, is you know, there's just so much toxicity in the air and the water and the mm. plastics we use, in, you know, that even so, mm. um, it is a really good idea if you're serious about coming for the medicine work to, to stick to um, a really clean, clean diet. And there are certain things that energetically, um, like salt... Mm-hmm. or chili or things that are very strong energetically um, that are best avoided and then sexual abstinence is a really good idea as well because you want to contain all your energies if you have a sexual release you're releasing mm. a lot of energy and so so um, it's recommended no sexual release of any sort um, for a couple of weeks before you come and work mm, that's interesting mm. And the contraindications, just to recap off, who shouldn't do ayahuasca? If you are on certain heart medications, if you are on um, SSRIs, antidepressants, there are very clear contraindications for certain medications. Um, There's, in fact, there's a database that I look up when people do have medication. Um, So really, yeah, that's, that's something that, that you have to be very careful with and you're better off um, looking it up yourself yeah. and making a decision. But f- things like, 
if you're on um, something that's naturally occurring in the body, like thyroxin or estrogen, progesterone, um, so something that, that the, is endogenous to the body, mm-hmm. but you need to replace or you need to um, take as a supplement, then that's usually fine. Right. Yeah. Okay. And um, I read about this tobacco drink, the, mm. uh, the mapacho. Yeah. Well, how does that interact with ayahuasca? Why is that? Is that used in conjunction? Yeah. Um, my my flatmate, who's a tabaquera, and she and I are working with people together, um, and we're running retreats now with tobacco, and then to like one tobacco ceremony, two ayahuasca ceremonies. What what tobacco does um, is it's really very cleansing. It really clears out. The physical body clears out the energetic body uh, and then it really grounds you mm. so it, it's often a really good preparation to go into ayahuasca ceremonies because you're already clean mm-hmm. and and your feet are on the ground and so you're not likely to whoosh off into outer space you can actually stay with yourself and do the work mm. in the ceremonies and so that's actually drinking it. It's not smoking it. No, or? you don't. There's no no requirement to smoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's um, you drink it a bowl of it. Um, sometimes you snort the liquid of it up your nose, mm. and the, that's not my personal favourite, but it <laughs> certainly works wonders. And then does it make you purge? Is it that makes the you idea? purge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, the. The conjunction together, like w- with the, would that be used in the same night, or is it? No, you do them in separately. S- yeah, you do them in sequence. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this upcoming retreat that you're going to host. It's combining uh, mapacho and ayahuasca with lots of sound healing work, mm. and it's called finding your voice. So for uh, women with trauma, women with with who want to get in touch with their creativity, who want to um, be able to express themselves better. Um, so we have five sessions of, of vocal work and um, yoga nada, which is voice yoga, and um, sound baths and drum circles, and combining those things with with the three plant medicine ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Um, And we also um, have an Andino um, offering to the spirits of the mountains and the land here and a sweat lodge, a traditional Mm. Andean Temazcal ceremony. Awesome. So it's going to be, it's going to be pretty exciting. Sounds beautiful. We'll put those, the details of that in the show notes. Thank you. Ayahuasca in Peru is becoming quite a, tourist trap or yeah um, no absolutely what's your thoughts on that and how how do you make sure that you're not put into that cup of you know just taking advantage of tourists i guess or like well i never agree to uh have someone come sit in ceremony with me unless i've really talked to them first Mm -hmm. like I, i don't just stick up a poster and say come one come all because that's not what i'm about Mm. um and so when I'm, I ha, I do turn people away mm. if it's clear that they're just here as trooper tourists. I'm not interested. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm interested in actually doing deep work with people, um, and I think it's actually quite. There's a lot of dangers. Um, you know, I I I know people who have 
no training, who come here for a 10-day retreat and then go open a centre in Florida and serve medicine illegally to anyone without a shaman, with recorded music, with, you know, just, and it makes me squirm. Mm. Um, first of all, it's totally disrespecting the traditions. Mm. And second of all, it's actually physically dangerous to people, let alone emotionally dangerous. Um, I prefer to work with a maximum of six people mm-hmm. at a time. Our retreat, we have a maximum of 10 people, mm-hmm. but there's two of us mm-hmm. working together. And for instance, when I, I served your group, your group was already um, formed and I had two facilitators working with me. So, you know, that, yeah. that was possible. Yeah. But And it was a month-long yoga retreat exactly. before that. that yeah, so you guys were super prepared. Mm. Um, and really in a very, very good space. An ideal group for me. I loved it. It was wonderful. It was really beautiful. Um, Yeah, our our retreat together was amazing, or our ceremony together was amazing, but I have read a lot of stories where they've exploited tourists, and um, I just, yeah, I just want to understand more about how the, the ceremonial the ayahuasca the medicine is actually obtained and how it's possible yeah. for people to actually obtain that medicine without having that kind of knowledge and background like do they just go to Shipibo and buy a bottle like how how freely obtainable is this stuff um well i i um when i can't cook my own i get some f- from my teachers cook in pakalpa in the jungle um because i absolutely trust the quality and and um, sustainability actually of, mm. of these plants because for me that's a big issue as well that you know that now there's so much tourism surrounding the medicine that it's being o- chronically over harvested mm. and um, I actually have um, several friends with with planting projects and mm. um, sustainability projects which I'm supporting um, but yeah it is it's People can go get it. I mean, it's around. There's, I mean, there's a lot of poverty here. Mm. There's a lot of poverty. And people trying to feed their families, so they go, we'll cut vine and sell it to whoever will pay money for it, of course. Mm. Um, there's also a lot of charlatanism. Mm. Uh, you know, I've, I've sat in a cafe in Iquitos and had people come up to me and offer me bottles of this brown sludgy stuff that may or may not have been ayahuasca, <laughs> you know, mm. just just guys off the street because it is a market. Mm. Um, I, it, there's, there's huge cultural interaction issues, mm. you know, both Westerners and, and um, Peruvians, you know, throw on, throw on a, a feathered headdress mm. and say, yeah, I'm a shaman, here, drink this stuff and give me $300. And it does happen. Mm. And then there's a lot of sexual exploitation mm. with Shaltons, but also actually with, with legit pr- trained practitioners as well, uh, because there is a cultural difference between attitudes towards sexuality and attitudes towards women. And, you know, there's, there's, it's very, very complex. Very complex. Um, one thing that... Um, I feel is really important is to to um, have ethical standards um, and 
I know there are Indigenous people attempting to set standards, create associations, you know, mm-hmm. have some kind of standardisation of of practice and medicine and the actual quality of the medicine itself. But it's very difficult, very difficult. And um, so for me, I get a lot of clients looking for a woman for mm. a start because they don't feel uh, as yeah, they do they feel much safer and and um, someone who speaks English fluently of course yeah. because you can communicate properly um, and someone who is older and clearly you know not out for exploitation yeah because you were explaining that some of the, me- the medicine can actually bring up sexual energy right yeah, yeah. and so when you're with the the Shipibo oh with, with yeah. yeah, there's been times when there's exploitation of that sexual energy. Is that correct? Well, it's, it's, there's a lot of stories, and yeah. I've witnessed some, some situations that, yeah, um, a, a pretty young Western girl, possibly with sexual trauma, mm. you know, is exploited under the influence of the medicine by the practitioner because it's easy. It's easy, you know? Mm. Um, and, you know, that... that that woman will go home with more trauma. Mm. It's true. And it does happen. And I urge anyone who is considering coming to Peru to really research, to really talk to the people at the retreat centre and ask them, um, you know, what what are their their ethical standards? Mm. And um, yeah, really, really research that. Be careful. So when you're in the space of being under the influence of the medicine um, and you're seeing energetic powers and all the rest, how do you protect yourself from not being attacked by any supernatural evil energy? Or, you know, if you're around someone that maybe holds bad energy? Or Well, this is, the, this is very much the indigenous perspective that there, there is... Um, very black and white, positive, negative influences. For me personally, as I've been a practicing Buddhist for 20-something years, Mm. I see that we are connected in a unified state to God, to Buddha nature, to Christ consciousness, whatever you choose to name it. So for me personally, I have a meta-level understanding of... of, um, these things and of course then we have to embody them in the three dimensions in in the the state of duality of separation from god um so for me there are certainly protective measures to not entangle with energies per se but i don't really view them as wholly evil or wholly good Mm. so but that that's quite that's my unique Mm-hmm. viewpoint it's not it's certainly not um, a traditional viewpoint what about someone that's interested in participating but scared of maybe uh, a negative entity from someone else if it's a group setting yeah. um, coming into their body or I don't know that sounds a bit no, woo-woo, no, no. but yeah. um, no well there's plenty of woo-woo out there <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean this is why in my ceremonies I insist on silence like no speaking for several hours no touching um you know it's really about staying within your own space and having your own experience and if someone needs to um 
speak or, or, or express loudly, then I'll take them outside of the room so that they can do that, but, but not interfere with other people's process. I use some traditional methods. I use certain stones. I use um, certain very protective plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also do my own meditations and, and psychic protections. And when I set set the space, I use mapacho, which is highly protective as well, and palo santo, another sacred plant. Um, and I, I create mentally... Uh, psychic space protecting the entire room um, but I, I haven't honestly come across that as a problem mm. <laughs> I, it's like people come in with things mm. attached to them and I could describe that as psychological process I could describe that as you know trauma I could describe that as past life mm. issues if that's your paradigm I could describe it as as um, you know a spirit or you know uh, an entity of some sort but ultimately when you're working with the energies purely as energies all those stories are irrelevant mm. so when when I have my individual client in front of me I see what language they prefer to speak in mm-hmm. and someone say from a fundamentalist Christian language for instance mm. would talk about their demons mm. um, and so I, I talk to them on that level but someone from a kind of Western science mind I'll talk to them about about more more psychological standpoint so really I don't have have um, my own personal beliefs about these things I just see energies and and try and move them (laughs) and it's interesting so you actually see these energies and you see spirit and um, when we sat you said that you saw some of my ancestors and when you were with the veterans what kind of stuff did you see there like that um I was very much looking on a on an energetic level um so, I mean, the, obviously they spoke about some of their horrific experiences uh, in Afghanistan, in Bosnia, in, you know, all, in Iraq. Um, my empathetic self, my heart just poured out to these guys hearing these stories. But in ceremony itself, the stories really become irrelevant mm. to me. And I, I see the energetic body of the person with... Um, uh, discolorations or with like a smoky kind of cloud over a certain area or with spikes coming out mm. um, sometimes the spikes can look like spears or darts sometimes they can look like sort of jagged glass or mm. you know and so so in practical energetic work you just address the the energies directly and you can do that via various means, mostly through the ikaros, which are the songs that come to you during ceremony. Yeah, and you have a beautiful voice. Maybe we could get a little <laughs> recording of the songs Ooh. that you sing. Um, but yeah, when you're in ceremony, do you just do they just come to you and come out, or was it? Uh, so the first few that I used to open the ceremony, I learned from my mestizo teacher, and mm-hmm. thank you, thank you. I'm grateful for everything I learned with him 
Um, and then the others that come either come spontaneously from the medicine itself mm. that night um, or they've come through my own dieta working with different plants and that's an extraordinary process you you go on this very restricted um, diet in solitude and you drink a tea made of whichever master plant you're working with um, and you know you drink the first night and the second morning you, you just have a song in wow. your head <laughs> and it just goes round and round and it won't leave you alone and that's happened half a dozen times now I've done 14 diets so far um, and yeah I've been blessed with six plant songs wow. and then you try it out in ceremony and you sing it and you see what it does yeah and you go wow and it brings the the benefits of that plant to yeah. the people in the room just through the song it's extraordinary yeah it was really extraordinary when you sang the energy you could feel the changes in the room you know that was really extraordinary going back to the sustainability of the plant um, mm. could you actually explain what goes into an ayahuasca drink okay so the vine bani obsteris capi <laughs> is ayahuasca or yage or you know it's called many different names but ayahuasca is the you know the most popular mm -hmm. name um and ayahuasca means vine of death or vine of the dead mm. um and i think that's essentially because it can put you through what's known as ego death in popular parlance um where you you lose your sense of self into a unified state and that can feel like dying mm. which is why there's a lot of fear often for people to let go of their their egoic self and to melt into godhead mm. melt into the universe um but trust me it's the most wonderful extraordinary best thing you could ever do for yourself <laughs> if you manage it um so it could it also be called the the plant of death because you can see those that have passed on those people that have died. Traditionally, traditionally, um, the Shipibo particularly um, uh, that I've uh, talked to, they really don't like uh, talking to ancestors or ah. or people who have passed. Um, yeah, it's just not part of their. They have superstitions around that. Interesting. Um, for me, ancestor work is very important. I think that's because I've also investigated my own heritage in, um, with Siberian shamanism, and a lot of that is rooted in working with ancestors. So for me personally, that's important. Right. Um, but it's not necessarily an Amazonian tradition. Mm -hmm. um, so the vine, mm. and you beat it to a pulp, mm. and... Um, boil it up with the leaves uh, the leaves that I use are chakruna which is probably the most common source of DMT so the vine provides the MAOI inhibitor mm. which stops an enzyme in the stomach preventing DMT to go into the bloodstream so this is the vine actually has this inhibitor and then you need a source of DMT so chakruna is the most commonly used or most traditionally used um, I also use another plant which is a high source of DMT called Huambisa um, but not not as frequently mm -hmm. and, and there are there are, uh, DMT is contained in 
most plants. It's mm. contained in our brains. It's it's ubiquitous in nature. So there's many sources in Australia. You can use black wattle. It's a high source of DMT. Mm. And DMT is released when you're born and released when you die, right? In, in yeah, the human there are floods. Body. There are certain times in life where you, your brain floods yourself with DMT. So taking it in this plant form, is that unhealthy in a way? Or? I can't see any adverse effects. Yeah. And it couldn't bring on a state of psychosis ongoing for people like... Well, I think if it's mishandled, yeah, I think if the set and setting, if it's not taken seriously, absolutely. Mm. The same with any um, psychedelic mm. substance. I mean, you mess with your brain chemistry and things are going to change there. Um, if you're in a safe container and if you have thorough preparation and thorough follow-up and mm. integration afterwards... Um, then, as far as I can see, it's absolutely safe. Um, I mean, there is currently various researches going on in the West about these things, yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah, they're bringing it back, right, to, to cure depression and all the, yeah. the rest using psychedelic treatment. Yeah, but of course, you know, anything can be dangerous if mishandled. Right. Uh, and the taxing of drinking the ayahuasca, that I understand that it's taxing on your kidneys and your liver. Is that correct? Or well, I've drunk over 500 times now, probably, in five mm. years. You know, I, I like to do a nice kidney flush and liver cleanse, sure. And I need, you know, I'm taking two weeks off to do my own work, mm-hmm. personal work, uh, the next two weeks, and I'm looking forward to having a break. But if you come for for three or four ceremonies then there's absolutely no harm mm. that I can see yeah <laughs> a standard for the show and you've actually shared so many already which we'll put in the show notes but if we could just recap on two or three books that you would recommend for our listeners Garble Mate's In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts mm-hmm. I would highly recommend Stanislav Grof, if you're interested in his approach to psychology, then um, Spiritual Emergence C mm-hmm. is probably my favourite of his books. If you're interested in DMT and, and a more scientific approach, then um, The Spirit Molecule is one of the best explorations of that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so, so very much to share uh, the space with you and then hear all the stories and messages that you've shared with me. Um, so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's such a beautiful opportunity to to connect and share. And yeah, so m- please, anyone listening, please just be really careful of who you choose to drink medicine with and just, just really talk with them deeply before you say yes. Mm. And hopefully they will talk deeply with you before they say yes as well. Mm. And with your permission, I'll put links both in the notes and also on the Cosmic Moments website. Um, and if people have questions, they can come back to you and ask you oh, thank and you. maybe find you on their yeah, journey. Lovely. If you found today's episode inspirational and informative, please consider joining me on Patreon. I'll put the link in the show notes as this helps me fund these passion projects, help more people on their transformative journeys and give information on an ongoing basis. Please hit subscribe if you like this so that you're notified every time we post a new episode. And join us on Facebook at Cosmic Moments for information about upcoming retreats. Or you can head over to CosmicMoments.com.
Have a cosmic day and I look forward to connecting with you more. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm